Today's episode is about those diabolical villains of advertising, the Noid and the Hamburglar, and, to a lesser extent, Cookie Crook. But here's the twist. These so-called dastardly scoundrels were in fact hired by the very companies they are claiming to ruin. We get to the bottom of this and more today on Ad Wizards. Should I not say it like Ad Wizards? You like You can just say the last part again if you want. We get to the bottom of this and more today on Ad Wizards. <laughs> that was that's more human. Welcome to Ad Wizards. I'm Land, joined by my co-host Aviva. Hello, everyone. Wonderful to be listened to by you today. Oh boy! And our special guest, George. Yay! Hey guys. Hey, hey. Uh, thanks for having me. I love this show. Hey, George. Uh, George is a cartoonist, podcaster, my friend, and more. And also my friend. And also Aviva's friend. Uh, is this I all correct? Is this correct, George? Uh, I would agree with all of these statements yeah. and more. There's a lot. There's a lot under that and more, but we don't have time to list them all. Anyway, great to see you, George. Thanks for being on the show. Are you ready to talk about some uh, Noid and some Hamburglar? Uh, very, very much so. Yes. As am I. And me three. <laughs> well, let's just get right into it then. Maybe we should watch a video of the Noid just to kind of. Uh, get in the mood now before we do what do we know about the noid well he ruins pizzas he ruins pizzas he's uh i think he is a man in a rabbit suit yeah for for some reason he has those ears yeah and it's red it's a red rabbit we should just state that up front it's a red rabbit um similar to the easter holiday and how rabbits you know it's confusing as to why they relate to eggs or jesus it's confusing as to why a rabbit suit would relate to a pizza um or ruining pizzas Uh, (laughs) i really don't want to get into a conspiracy theory poll about this but i mean there's definitely i don't know i mean he's red maybe it's the marinara sauce oh that is a that is a horrible, that's a horribly astute uh, <laughs> observation. I don't know. Um, yeah. Sorry, I realize you're not grilling me yet, so I'm just going to hang back on this one. Oh, we'll be grilling you real soon. We'll be grilling you <sighs> and roasting you in due time. Oh, no, oh yeah, no. I've got some Noid theories, and I am here to share them. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to listen. Yeah, and we also have an interview uh, later on with Pons Mar, who is the voice of the Noid, and he has some noid theories of his own oh man i can't wait to hear that yeah i don't know the noid he kind of looks like a superhero perhaps he's got like he's got the n on his chest so that's for noid it's for noid um similar to the incredibles outfit i would say which would come years later and also maybe the tick yeah oh that's yeah good call and it's that sort of like goofball doofus superhero thing that, that the tick very much is yes i definitely i, I see the the correlations yeah and rabbit the, ears the noid uh created by will vinton the man who coined the term claymation and created the california raisins indeed <laughs> well Can i talk I'm, yeah i'm not sure when i'm supposed to but i i'm a big will vinton fan and mm. um 
when I was a kid, I, I grew up on the California raisins. I had their their cassettes mm-hmm. and listened to it a lot in my my mint green um, boombox. It, it was thing with one speaker is not really a boombox; it's just sort of a box. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I have the Will Vinton Christmas special uh, on DVD. But yeah, your your pops was in a animation, George. Is that a is that correct? That is correct. My my dad uh, was um, an animator for a long time. I think the the reason that I moved to California was because he had gotten a job right out of college uh, to work on the Lord of the Rings animated film, and so yeah, the the only reason that I know Land and then know Aviva and I'm actually on this podcast is because my dad got a job working on the Lord of the Rings movie in 79 or 78 so you weren't from you weren't born in california no i was born in akron ohio i think it's the same the same hospital i think as lebron james and some of devo and uh, at the time of my birth in 1978 i was the second biggest baby born in the hospital's history i think it was like 10 and a half pounds i think oh i've actually been knocked down at number three the last i heard so Wow. You know, I was born in Santa Monica Hospital, um, and I was actually declared to be the cutest baby. Well, I, I, at this point, I'd like to note that just because you're the biggest baby doesn't mean you're going to be the biggest adult. Like, you can start out as a smaller baby, then grow into a large, uh, like a basketball player style baby or, or adult. Mm-hmm. And that's all I wanted to say. Very astute. Thank you. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, George. George is a big, big baby. <laughs> did he wear big? Yeah. Did he wear big diaper? <laughs> I'm sure I must have. <laughs> There's photos of me like I'm at one. I'm like one year old, and I look like um, I look like I'm two and a half. Wow. I don't know. I, I I was a big, big, fat, redheaded, green-eyed baby. Oh my Whoa. god! Big old honking and, baby. Yeah, yeah, and that's cool. I think it's really cool. I agree. I think it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting hot in here with all this baby talk. Okay. I mean, I'm going to cut that out. That doesn't sound right. (laughs) Thank God we have the ability to cut things out. That's really, really good. Um, Wait, Lan, so did you want to play one of the Noid clips? Okay, I'm going to play a Noid commercial from 1986. This is the Noid. He loves to ruin your pizza. If you've ever gotten cold pizza, a squashed pizza, or pizza that just wasn't right, the Noid did it. But at Domino's Pizza, we avoid the Noid. So when you want hot, delicious, quality pizzas delivered in less than 30 minutes, Domino's Pizza delivers. One call does it all. Now, the Noid seems to have access to a factory with a lot of equipment and a giant uh-huh. hand that smashes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that the, the Noid comes from some kind of like, comes from a wealthy background? Because how is he able to afford this lifestyle where he can rent a whole factory and pay for this kind of equipment that smashes things like pizzas? Well, he doesn't come, he doesn't come from money. Like how do you know think. that? Um, because I'm pretty sure that this is all Domino's money going into the oh. factory to smash their own pizzas, which is whoa! Oh, you're a oh. conspiracy. You have some theories so, of your own. 
Yes. So you don't you don't think that the Noid was a, a real estate spectator who got that uh, factory uh, for a song and then used it just to smash pizzas? Um, <laughs> once the neighborhood had turned around and they got all the junkies out of the streets. <laughs> that's, well, that's one theory. It's interesting. Yeah, right. I can't say for sure, but that sounds good to me too. What I what I will say about the Noid is that he doesn't give up. He has he perseveres because like, you know, history has shown that he, you know, it's really hard to ruin and smash Domino's pizzas, but he keeps trying. Yeah. Tenacity. Yeah. It shows tenacity and um he's kind of like an anti-corporate hero if anything. He has tenacity and elasticity. I'd think. Mm. I'd say. That's true. That's true. And stick to ativity. Yeah. He does have anger issues. Oh, for sure. Who doesn't, though? That's true. I think the three of us probably do. I mean, if you're an independent, <laughs> if you're an independent business owner, you have to have anger issues. What were you just surprised by, Aviva? <laughs> I just get easily startled. I saw my own face in the Zoom call and I got scared. <laughs> okay back to the noid he's got uh, a tool how does the noid uh just how does the noid ruin pizzas two ways he crushes them and he freezes them that's pretty much what i've seen i like cold pizza Mm -hmm. but do you like a like icy frozen pizza though if i like waited 20 minutes it would, would just be cold I feel like this one is this one is relevant to previous episodes. <laughs> the icy one? Yeah. The mm-hmm. icy the icy frozen pizza one is, is relevant. Go on. Because you use your mom used to freeze a pizza for you. Oh wow. <laughs> Thank you, George. Yeah, George listen. I listen to your show. I, I, I love your show, so I I I I yeah. Thanks, George. I'm caught up. My mom did used to freeze Domino's pizzas specifically, so I guess my mom is a bit of annoyed herself. <laughs> she uh, took a took a page from the the Noid's book. I don't think she was trying to ruin the pizza. I think she was trying to preserve it. So yes. she did use yeah. one of the Noid's tactics, but the intention was completely different. And then maybe the the Noid was unaware that he was actually helping to extend the life of a Domino's pizza. Wow. He didn't know. know. He didn't know that. He didn't know that. Let's see. In this commercial, he's got a bomb, a little bomb with an N on it, which represents the Noid, of course. Wait, I, I, I'm worried about how we're. Can you pause these for a second, Lan? <laughs> we can't just like play these one after another. Yeah, there's a lot of Noid that's not going to make any sense. <laughs> I feel like somehow the Noid spirit has gotten into our podcast and is trying to. I think ruin you're it. trying to Noid our podcast. <laughs> Maybe you guys are both Noids because George we might be. George, I'm an audio noid. (laughs) You're an audio noid. Um, You're trying to noid us with your audio issues. Land is trying to noid us now with his video issues. And I'm just trying to do the best I can. Yeah. Well, in a a way, um, it's easier to destroy than to create, which is sort of (laughs) what the noid's all about. Um, And yes, yes, I do take the easier path sometimes which is destruction. Hmm. That that it's easy, easier to destroy than to create seems like the motto for all of the guys that we grew up with. <laughs> <Land>. <laughs> I know. What a, yeah. 
Uh, what a what a great influence it has been. <laughs> <laughs> what I was trying to schedule um, my interview with Ponsmar, who voiced the Noid, very nice man. Um, we had some scheduling issues because uh, he kept having like some internet outage problems in his area. And he kept putting off the interview because he was having issues. So um, in a way, the Noid was avoiding me. That's, that's absolutely true. Leyland said I had wow. to work that into wow. the episode. I said you have to work <laughs> yes, that Yes, you did. Yes, because it's, it's, a, it's a great point. The Noid was avoiding you. The Noid was avoiding me. But uh, he, you got him eventually. When should I voice my uh, thoughts about the Noid and the Noid campaign? So, George, um, could you voice your thoughts about the Noid and the Noid campaign? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Noid was one of the first commercial campaigns that I really identified with and, and loved. Now, growing up, we had a Domino's in Eagle Rock, California. And I actually got to go and make a pizza there as part of a field trip as a Cub Scout one time. Um but I also lived next door to a really good pizza place. Uh, but so Domino's was, I think, the only one in our neighborhood that delivered. So we would get that when we were lazy, like sometimes on a Friday. Um, but if we we're having a party, we would go get Little Caesars, get the big, huge pizza pizza. Mm. Um, and so it's like I liked Domino's OK, but I preferred the ones that we would actually have to go and have an experience. Like there was a place in Glendale that was next to a, a laundromat that was really good or we would drive into hollywood uh there's a place right by um uh the dresden right next to the dresden mm. there's a pizza place so we would go and my mom would have a glass of wine while we're waiting for our pizzas to show up so those types of experiences were more fun um but domino's was more immediate so you can call them and they'd be there in 30 minutes or less so i was a little torn i love the noid i love his style but i feel like the Noid is a smear campaign against um, independent pizza chain owners or independent, independent pizza uh, Rias, hmm. pizza Rias. Yeah. Split those into two words. And I think it's wrong to think that uh, just because you get your pizza in 30 minutes or less, it's good. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. I don't know. And that whole like thirty minutes or less, it created yeah. a lot of stress for workers. Oh, it created God. a lot of like car oh, yeah. car accidents. Is that yeah. true? Yeah, it did. Wow. Oh yeah, they stopped doing. They they stopped advertising that um, at some point. That make that is that is like a very small window of time. I don't care if my pizza takes like forty five minutes or an hour. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I just want it. That's all. And then if it's like thirty one minutes, then the the person's like. <laughs> Well, you said that's horrible, right? Well, right. should we talk about um, the tragic case of Kenneth Lamarnoid, or should we just avoid talking about that? I think it, we, I think we need to talk about I it. I do, I do think it, uh-huh. it is part of the Noid's history. Would you mind walking us through that story for the listeners? Yeah, uh, whether you know this or not, um, on January thirtieth, nineteen eighty-nine, Kenneth Lamarnoid, uh, a man who was suffering from schizophrenia, I think. He believed that the Noid ad campaign was a personal attack on himself because his last name was Noid. So he entered a Domino's restaurant in uh, Chambly, Georgia, armed with a 357 Magnum and uh, held two employees hostage for over five hours 
while he was there, he had them make him a pizza. He uh, he demanded a hundred thousand dollars and a white limousine as a getaway vehicle. Um, oh, and he also wanted he he offered to exchange one hostage for a copy of The Widow's Son, a book. Um, anyway, it's, it's it's a very tragic tale. Like he uh, he didn't kill anybody while he was doing the uh, holding people hostage at the at the Domino's, but he did. He wound up in a mental institution, and he eventually uh, killed himself about uh, five years later, I think, 1995, or six years later. Well, this is the worst retelling of this story that's ever ever happened. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to joke about that. It's very yeah. tragic. No, it's not. No, funny. no, no. But it is an uh, interesting. I mean, it's an insane event that happened as a result of the Noid. Yeah. So I, I feel like the Noid. Um, I, I love I love the Noid, as I've said many times. Whenever I go into a vintage store or a vintage mall, you know, those, where it's like a bunch of the different booths. I always look for a Noid. Um, I'll be like, I'll get a Noid or a California Raisin or an Elf. Those are the things that I'm looking for. Those are the, those are my collectibles. The, the, yeah. The like, things that I'm saving. Like the little bendable figurines, you mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I, I, re, I repatriated an Elf from, uh, from Tokyo the last time I was there. Wow. And, mm. uh, I was like, well, this this belongs in an American museum, <laughs> and brought it back to our house. Uh, so, but I think that that I think the Noid gets a bad rap, and I think independent pizza companies get a bad rap, and uh, Domino's has been allowed to skate for for too long, and I'm here to clear all that up. Uh, I am pro Noid um, until uh, my last uh, pepperoni and sausage tombstone. <laughs> Tombstone pizza. Yeah, that's, right. that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> now, do you do you still enjoy a Domino's pizza every now and then, George? I I haven't had one in many years. I, I've been pretty loyal. I, there was a place that was two blocks away from me that I loved, and since they've gone under, oh. uh, I've been ordering from another place. And if they go under, you know, I've got a few fallbacks before I go to Domino's and I'll go to Domino's if I have to, it's fine. Um, but I, I try to get from a small indie or, you know, like a small local chain before I'll go to Domino's. And in San Francisco, it's pretty limited with chain restaurants. Right. Right. There is a Domino's in our neighborhood, but, uh, yeah, there's no like pizza hut or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's for the best. The best. It is for the best. I prefer a Domino's to a Pizza Hut. Sure, I would agree with that. Yeah, there's something weird about a Pizza Hut. I know. Mm. I mean, I grew up with Domino's, um, and I know that both places will do this. But I remember I would go, you know, when you were a kid, and like some kids would eat different foods, and you're like, no, that's not how I do things. Like we were a Domino's household, and some kids were Pizza Hut, and I'd go to kids' birthday parties, and they would have square slices from Pizza Hut. I was like, square slices? What the hell is this? Like a like a triangle slice. But Please. I know part of that was to create more slices for the kids. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Square, square slices are way more shareable. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, yeah. And are those from a square pizza, I assume? You can't get square slices out of a round pizza. You kind of can. Kind um, of can. What? <laughs> yeah, you can. You, you have to request it, and most places don't know how to do it. 
I think this should be a separate episode where we just talk about like square slice. Uh, although there's no commercials around that, so yeah, it's, it's sort of like the the secret menu for pizzas. Yeah, I I feel like maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I feel like Pizza Hut did do like a straight up rectangle or square pizza, like the whole pizza. I, was... I, I think they were like it was like their some kind of a deep dish meat lovers thing where they were trying to rip off the Little Caesars. Okay, because Little Caesars is just squares. But I remember that, too. There's some kind of thing. And I know that when when my brother Dan, who's one of your first guests on the show, listens to this, he'll be yelling at his iPhone um, <laughs> because he's getting it right and we're all getting it wrong. And that's just the way that Dan is. Uh, but um, <laughs> Does Dan Whoa. know a lot about pizza shapes? He just knows a lot about things. He's got a little bit of a claptrap mind. Um, he, he remembers stuff, but... Uh, yeah, claptrap. It's like the opposite <laughs> of my mind. Which is, That's what uh... I was going to say about myself. <laughs> yeah, when we had Dan on, he definitely provided us with a lot of useful info that uh, we did not have about uh-huh. what we were talking about. I, I decided to go the opposite direction. All I have is that Will Vinton made the noid. That's the only trivia I have, and you already got it. Shit. Oh, I will say this. Um, my first ever... Um, God, in Facebook, where you have to like, what did you like study in college? I, I said that at Harvard, I studied Noid avoidance. <laughs> That's one of the, my first status updates on Facebook. So there you go. You know, I I went to a college where you make your own major, and if you wanted to, you could you could major in Noid avoidance <laughs> if you really wanted to. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's not. See, I, I've always toyed with going back to school and that may have tipped the scales yeah go to the evergreen state college uh major in noid avoidance you can definitely right. it's I'm, possible i'm writing this down I'm gonna, I'm gonna write them a letter and have them mail me a brochure <laughs> okay <laughs> all right um we were lucky enough to uh, get an interview with Pons Mar, who is the voice of the Noid character from the Noid campaign from Domino's. Land, should we play that now? Okay. All right, here it comes. Uh, viva! Yes, Pons. Nice to meet <laughs> nice you. Nice to meet Thanks you. Thanks for yeah. talking to me. So, um, when did you start doing this? This uh, commercial thingy, thingy thing. Um, we just recorded our fourth episode, so it's pretty new. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, not too long, but it's been a good time. Other than the voice of the Noid, have you done a lot of a lot of commercial work, or has it been mostly like film? Yeah, it's been mostly film, crazy uh, fantasy characters, and uh, <laughs> stuck inside huge ass uh, latex suits dinosaurs yeah just ridiculous a ridiculous career and then when you started your career were you aiming to be more of a puppeteer or more of an actor just like uh were you just kind of making choices as you were going along or how did that come to be i never set out to be a puppeteer and puppeteering was never anything to this day that i feel that i'm any good at or comfortable with it's really a different skill. And being around puppeteers, you really, you know, these are people who when they were kids had socks on their hands and they were building puppets and it's like, that's what they wanted to do. 
I wasn't yeah. one of those kids. So I was a performer. I mean, I started out as a visual artist. I was just an artist. And then I started doing more performing and doing crazy stuff and taking movement classes. And that's why, you know, the first uh, film I got was Return to Oz. It kind of leads into the Noid in a funny way because I did the lead wheeler as, as the character I was cast to do in the film. So then there was a character, the uh, gnome messenger, uh, you know, the gnome king, and then there was a gnome messenger. And this was like this sliding kind of rock face character that would kind of go up and look around and come down and report to the gnome king. And they tried a couple of ways to, to, to make that work. And then Walter, the director, decided well, we should use, uh, it should be animated, but it should be like clay animated. Hmm. So uh, Will Vinton, you know, Claymation is going to be doing it. And I remember they shot some tests where someone would be in front of like a mylar mirror and they would kind of move the mirror around. So it was like, Aah. the way Will worked, and this applies to the Noid too, is uh, he would get a performance from the performer in addition to the voice, because the voice needed to connect to the movement of the character. And he said when he first started out, if he had a separate voice track and he had to animate clay lips and things, it was just crazy. So they yeah. they just set up a camera and it, you were always doing a performance along with your, vo um, you know, the vocal performance. And after doing some tests, then, I don't know, somehow or another, he was there and and uh, in, in London, while we're shooting, turned to Oz and it's like, why don't we, let's have Pons give a shot at this old no, you know, no messenger guy. So I ended up being the no messenger, but it was also my introduction to working with Will and, you know, and his people at the claymation factory there. And so that led to the Noid campaign. How many uh, commercials did you do? with as the noise no idea i i really okay yeah i don't remember we we did a slew of them yeah it's interesting that's a gig i assume like you're not necessarily recognized for on the street as the noise <laughs> no <laughs> Your assumption correct <laughs> and then it is the noise i assume it's the voice was sped up or is this something you're able to do with your voice <laughs> You know, I mean, <laughs> when we started doing them, I would do stuff in real time, but then he was sped up a little. Okay. I got used to hearing that sped up voice, and I started doing the voice more like what I was hearing, but then they were still speeding it up because they wanted those, you know, movements and whatnot. But yeah, it was just just making noises. It would, And I would, uh, I was, where was I? Living in LA at the time, so I would be flown up to Portland, where... Uh, Will Benton's places, the claymation studio there, and they would have the storyboard for the spot. Sometimes would shoot two, and uh, it was really interesting because it got to a point where uh, the animator. I remember working with Barry Bruce, just a claymation genius guy. He'd have a little stopwatch, and it's like because of the storyboards, like they know what. Okay, this is what we need here, and this is what we need here, and this is what we need here. And we would get to the point where there would be some kind of action. And he would like time it and click it off and go, that's pretty close. Do you think you can shave about half a second off that? And this was only like maybe a two second take. And I'm like, I don't know, let's do it. We, it was just crazy how 
they could do that. I mean, you know, they could play around a bit with speeding things up and the, right. But really, I mean, they were working well in the film. This was film, so that was another advantage, I guess, uh, in terms of animating because film has a frame and they can sit on that frame and use that as their reference. Sure. There was a whole thing though about like uh, dominoes. I mean, you know, the deal with the Noid, which I assume you know is like don't so he annoys you so he was an annoying character and his whole deal yes. was to mess up pizzas. we can curse right oh yeah this isn't for the kids he wanted to fuck up your pizza this was <laughs> yeah. his entire reason for existing so this is just i was just thinking about this a little today because i never really thought about it It was just like ah, this is fun it's like we're do this thing and this character yeah whatever you guys want me to do okay yay Sure. It's like, what was his problem? Like, what's his, what is his story? He's just mad and he just I wants know. to fuck up people's pizza. But specific, just specifically, Domino's. He didn't seem to have a problem <laughs> with any other pizza. That's a, I was wondering the same thing. Like, is he working for some kind of competitor? Did he have like a, a some kind of past trauma exactly. that had to do with pizza? Yeah. Yeah. What's his problem? Why does he have, why is he sort of a hybrid rabbit human person yeah. like, what is he exactly like, a lot of questions why are there no other noids where do you even come from that's a great question he's like maybe he's the last of his kind he's you know obviously depressed i assume if he needs to ruin other people's <laughs> hot pizzas i mean I, I feel i feel bad for this guy to be honest i know it's like he was such an asshole i mean so fun to play because it was just he he was so extreme in everything, just everything. And he was kind of like the, um, you know, the uh, coyote in like Roadrunner and the Coyote. He always failed. Exactly. He always failed. He always failed, yeah. No matter how elaborate his schemes were. So true, so true. Uh, it sounds like it was a great experience and very cool that you got to work with will vinton and also spend time in portland which is such a cool it sounds like a great gig it was a great gig it was yeah so i would basically go up there and well how long would it take to shoot one of these things hardly any time we got it down pretty well maybe a half hour in the actual studio shooting because you know it's a little commercial spot so and then I'm just like, I got to jump around and make noise and have fun. And then they'd fly me back down and pay me a, you know, a boatload of money. And I'd get residuals from this national campaign that was running like everywhere. And then they would split it off and make radio ads that was like a separate like revenue stream. And I mean, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Um, because once I left, then all the work had to be done by the animators. Painstaking frame by frame. <laughs> I mean, what did they say if they got like two, two seconds in a day, it was a good day? Being an animator is not something, that, I mean, you have to be, I don't know, you have to be ready to be doing that. You, that has to be the thing that, that you were sort of, you know, specially bred to do. I know. I'm glad they exist so we get to enjoy the fruits of their labor, but man. Me too. I know some people that ended up working for Leica mm -hmm. in Portland, which is, you know, formerly Will Vinton Studio. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they do amazing work. Uh, it's 
it's I'm glad that that studio has been able to survive as long as it has. Well, it's, you know, it's it interesting. Cool stuff. Yeah, because it uh, it turned into really like kind of a film production powerhouse. But then they're also still doing commercials. Uh, and it's interesting how it expanded. I mean, it took the concept of claymation and I think they do a lot of it digitally now, even though it looks like claymation. Yes, yeah. Because I'm sure, I think it saves a lot of money to do it digitally. I'm sure. But it was when they had like a movie going or a whole bunch of, of work. Did you ever get to visit up there to see what the facility's like or ever visit like a animation studio that's actually real, not just digital? I haven't. Because they would have the equivalent of like a large warehouse space and it was all dark in there, but then they would have a number of sets that were set up with like blacks around them. And then each of these individual sets were lit specifically for the scene. And you'd have your camera and your animator and your lights and your whatnot. So you could walk around and you could see all these different, they were just like gorgeous. They were just, be, everything was beautiful, you know. I mean, originally they really made everything like out of clay and then they started getting like photo backdrops that were sort of, you know, look like and whatever, but right. just gorgeous. They were like little sculpture, beautifully lit, uh, and pretty quiet in there because, you know, people are probably listening to headphones, but just paying attention to what they're doing and animating. It was really a different, different experience. You know, it's not at all like walking on a soundstage, which is actually what it kind of was. Yeah. And I'm glad that there are, like, all these studios that are keeping that tradition alive. I think, like, Henry Selleck has... I, I don't know if his production company is still... I know he started a new production company, like, maybe five or six years ago. I worked with Henry um, twice. Oh, really? Originally, on Return to Oz, he did some interesting kind of research work that I remember anyway, that when Dorothy's falling down into the ground... And then what they did was slice through these beautiful agates or rocks or whatever. Then they would take a shot and do another slice and take a shot and take a slice, take a shot. Um, I remember him kind of coming in and showing some stuff to Walter that they were working on. And then I worked with him on Monkey Bone. Love Monkey Bone. Pretty nutty movie, huh? Yeah, really visually interesting movie, yeah. too. I feel like I don't hear enough people talk about Monkey Bone, but a really interesting movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> Were most of these projects similar to the Noid, like something where you would work with someone and they you would get recommended for a gig, or were you going on a lot of auditions? It was a combination of both. The um, After having worked on Return to Oz, uh, Walter, the director, recommended me to Michael Ritchie for Golden Child. Mm -hmm. And then because I was in L.A. working... On Golden Child, I ended up going to a couple of auditions where I got masters and uh, what was it? Dead Heat. I had a look. Okay. It was like a pool zombie in Dead Heat. That's another crazy ass movie. Um, so those were auditions. You know, it's funny. So while I'm working on Masters of the Universe, um, the production really just got extended a long time. Uh, so I was needed for the beginning and I was needed for the end. So I was on hold for months. And this was now when the Noid stuff had started kicking in. 
So I was at home receiving checks to not come into work for Masters of the Universe while I was getting these bundles of checks for all the residuals wow. from the Noid. And I thought this show business is a pretty good idea. I mean, I'm just, I'm very impressed by the projects that you've gotten the chance to work on. Some of my, I mean, Dinosaurs and the Noid and Monkey Bone, just also like really aesthetically unique projects that I, I haven't seen anything like Monkey Bone or Dinosaurs or, I mean, I've never seen anything like the Noid. It's uh, just a very cool body of work. Well, these are all fantasy characters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're either need to be animated or they need to be, you know, puppeteered or you need some weird suit to be able to. Uh, and so the work that I had been doing, like my solo work, it was pretty very physical, um, scripted, but very physical. And that's what Walter saw, Walter Murch, mm -hmm. cast me as the uh, wheeler because up to that point, they were having a hard time trying to figure out even how to cast like, how do you hold a casting session for this character? And he came to a show, he saw a show that I did. And he's like, well, you just get this guy to do it. <laughs> oh, I didn't even really register the name Walter Merch until now, but he wrote like the book on video editing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the blink of an eye. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. You've got, yeah, you've gotten to work with some amazing people. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. It's really a. You know, just kind of dumb luck. I mean, talk about being in the right place at the right time. Because the show I was doing uh, was in the Bolinas Community Center. And that's where Walter saw me. Other, otherwise, I mean, I wouldn't even have known about the project itself. Wow. And that kind of started everything. Yeah, that's incredible. You never really know. You never know. No. I mean, yeah. Are you, a, are you from the Bay Area? No, I'm originally from Florida. But then I came out to the Bay Area in the mid-70s. I did a little bit of college back in Florida, and I'm like, I'm out of here. I just had to, yeah. I had to get out of the South, first of all, because people don't think of Florida as the South, but it really sure. is. And then, you know, Bay Area was like, okay. So I was always pretty much in Bay Area, Southern California, Portland a little while, lived in New York a little bit. I mean, London shooting. And then once sort of a career started, then it was wherever I needed to be to work. Yeah. So let me see. What else do I know? What's secret? Oh, did you hear this thing about a guy who broke into... So, you know, Tom oh. Tom Monaghan is the head, the guy who was the head of uh, Domino's Pizza. The guy that owns, okay. started and owns Domino's Pizza. He broke into Tom Monaghan's... Uh, house because the guy that broke in his last name was somebody Noid, yeah, and he thought that yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> we're familiar with the story. I think he might have broken into a Domino's pizza, also like a pizza place. Yeah, I know that he did that because he had the last name Noid, and he thought that people were talking about him. Yeah, and then I think he was maybe holding some Domino's workers hostage, also oh, forced them. Also forced them to make him pizza. Um, so it, it was it was a whole thing. Uh, oh man! Yeah. Oh man! And then, and then from what I heard, maybe that's part of why the Noid campaign kind of came to an end. Well, what started happening was yeah. Here's my understanding of it all. We, okay. It was a really successful campaign. 
really successful. And yes. then after a while, the people who hadn't, you know, things change. And within the ad agency, there was just like one ad agency working with Domino's. There were people who were always saying, we need more shots of people eating the pizza and smiling. Okay. You know, and the other people are like, we have a, the most successful pizza ad campaign ever. And, and then the Noid became more popular than Domino's Pizza. You know, there were like little Noid characters and you could like win a character at a carnival. And the, I mean, it was just the merchandising was just kind of crazy. Yeah. So the people who just wanted to see more people take a bite of a pizza and smile because they thought yeah. that's really what sells pizza is seeing a happy person on TV eating our pizza. Sure. So they started taking the Noid spots, and the Noid started becoming a bit player within his own commercials. So you'd have, like, live action of some frickin', you know, just regular-ass commercial-looking people, happy family being delivered a happy pizza, smiling. Oh, we're having pizza. And then the Noid shows up somewhere in his world, like, Wah! And then back to the smiling people. So they slowly started. And then pretty soon the smiling eat pizza people kind of took over the whole campaign. The Noid just sort of inglorious exited off. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I prefer the Noid personally. Everyone, but, uh, everyone did because yeah. otherwise the, the domino spots look like any other you know, let's eat pizza and be happy spot that was on TV. No one had a unique take. But you know what's funny? Uh, I was just thinking today, like, where's the Noid now? Like, where would this guy go? <laughs> what would he be doing? Is is he hanging out with other discarded old, you know, commercial spokespeople? Uh, maybe. I mean, the whole campaign was avoid the Noid, so maybe he's in isolation. I don't know. I mean, I hope that he has some close friendships, maybe family, but yeah, he could be hanging out with like the Michelin Man or something. That's possible. You know, or like that Alka-Seltzer <laughs> guy sure. or the aspirin person, <laughs> you know, and he's probably had a shit ton of therapy because, I mean, he has some ang I hope serious so. anger issues. <laughs> I know. I hope he, st he stops ruining people's pizza. I hope he has a more positive outlook on the world. That's You know, we never really knew if he hated pizza or if he just didn't want people to be happy. Yeah, I don't know. It was funny, but to think of a bunch of these characters kind of <laughs> hanging out somewhere like in a, you know, semi-assisted living facility where they're yeah. just trying to, you know, it's like, ah, boy, those days where, you know, and I don't know, it's annoyed even talking, like, rah, rah, yeah. rah, pulling his ears or whatever those things were down <laughs> over his head, and, you know, and it's just, where do, where do they go? Where do these strange things go? I know, where, where does the Noid go? I mean, you know, I think part of the reason why he doesn't want people to be happy is probably not happy himself, um, so I hope that he's... <laughs> Resolved some of those issues. Um, <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's like they say, like you know, stand-up comedians aren't the most pleasant of people to be around. Oh, absolutely not. Because I mean, the world, <laughs> you know, seeing seeing the world in a different way and just commenting on it and just like, what the fuck is up with this and how come and stupid stuff and Jesus, you know. But then being able to package all that up and get on stage and kind of push it back out, and you go, God, that's right. This is stupid. 
Oh, yeah. Stand-up comedians are some of the saddest people I've, I've ever met. Uh, that's absolutely true. You know, so maybe maybe the Noid is just, he's just like, you know, a stand-up he's, who just doesn't have a stage anymore. He's, he's probably got a lot of stuff to tell us. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, if he can get a word out, I'd love to hear, yeah. I'd love to hear him. Yeah, I know. He never said himself. a word. He never talked. <laughs> it's so funny. I know. It's funny. So is, I mean, is the Noid, in terms of your awareness, is this still sort of a popular? Because I know occasionally I'll tell people like, oh, I was, I was the Domino's Pizza Noid. First, I have to explain how I am. And it starts with a voice and then explain claymation and the thing. But yeah, I don't know like how the, its cultural relevance sticks around. I still hear people reference the Noid. People who are like my I'd say people are my age, which is like I'm uh, 32. My boyfriend's 41. People who are in our age range, maybe like 30 to 50, are very familiar with the noise. Because it was just I, there on TV while you were growing up. They're on TV while growing up. And I also think people, um, it's just something people reference, especially now. I feel like 90s culture is something people have fun referencing again yeah. and people are like the noid is very iconic for a lot of people and at least like between us and our circle of friends we're all very familiar with the noid yeah yeah well you know it was it really was a unique a unique what what would you call him spokesperson for a brand because it was it was like anti this this character that they're using to advertise their product is against their product. Yeah. So he was like a yeah. like an anti-salesman. So that's cool. Well, Pons, it was great meeting you. Thanks again okay. for doing this. You too. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> And we're back from that interview with Pons. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We're back with George Sakara. Hey, George. Hey, George. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's. Uh, focus. Should we go to Hamburglar? Okay, we're going to Hamburglar. Wait, we'll be uh, right back after this um, interstitial music break. And we're back from that little ditty. <laughs> wow. I mean, that just happens. You guys are both so great at this. It's just wow. It's just it's like we're just we're we're doing a thing, and all of a sudden, an interstitial happens, and it's just it's amazing. Wow, <laughs> this is great. I'm, Thank you. I, I agree. I'm imagining it, and it just it lends like this professionalism, this veneer of professionalism. A little music break. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to Brianna Morella, once again, the creator of our theme song and um, and a little music breaks you'll hear throughout the podcast. We love it, Brianna. Thanks, Brianna. George, I assume you're you're familiar with like 1970s uh, McDonald's commercials, uh, McDonald Land. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's sort of Sid and Marty Croft kind of stuff. Absolutely, it was it was ripped off of uh, Sid and Marty Croft. Like they were they were hired to create this ad campaign, basically, and then <laughs> the uh, the the agency responsible for it basically kind of like 
stopped calling them and like mm. and started poaching some of their workers and just stealing all of their ideas. And if you look at like H.R. Puffin stuff, it, yeah, it's like an exact it's an exact copy of the original uh, McDonald Land, which is uh, terrifying and like a, a <laughs> LSD nightmare. And I'm going to show you I'm going to show you a clip of the original Hamburglar, who is uh, a, a scary old man with rat like teeth and a large nose. You're talking about Hamburglar? We're going to look at the original Hamburglar right now. Oh, he has a big nose? Yeah, he looks he looks nothing like the Hamburglar you know. The citizens of McDonaldland. Yay! Versus the Hamburglar. Order! Order in the court! Your Honor, the accused Hamburglar was caught red-handed. Sneak him off with a big bag full of McDonald's delicious cheeseburgers. That's serious. My nephew is in that bag. Order! What do you have to say for yourself? A likely story. Here we have a a, a court case where um oh. there's the hamburger right there. Oh, yeah. He's all gray. He has like a purplish gray skin. Okay, that's Mayor McCheese. Oof. No, no, wait, that's actually that's not Mayor McCheese. This court is out of order. Okay, Aviva, Aviva, describe what you're seeing. Okay, can you pause it? Because it's pretty chaotic. There's too much. Yeah, what is that guy? It's not Mayor McCheese, but it's like... Oh, I have his name. Jeffrey Big Mac or whatever the fuck that... It is something like that. Okay. Shoot, I can't see my notes anymore. Also, just a reminder that if you want to see these commercials, they're all on our Instagram. Um, So if you're looking for them, we're going to post them to our Instagram. I just got a note from Monica that we should make the commercials easier to find. Oh, really? Maybe we should. (laughs) Maybe we'll put them in the descriptions for the podcast, too. Oh, make a little link. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So in this courtroom, the hamburger, sorry, not hamburger, hamburglar. (laughs) The hamburglar is on trial. The jury is made of hamburgers. Correct. And the judge is a hamburger? Correct. And the mm-hmm. prosecution is a hamburger? Yes. Yep. Seems a bit biased. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think court. that's what they call a kangaroo court. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, okay, that's Officer Big Mac, who is... Like, Officer you, Big Mac? He looks very similar to Mary McCheese, except he has a policeman's uniform. And he's got he's got an extra layer of bread in the middle. <laughs> does he and he's very similar to hr puff and stuff which i think is mm-hmm. the oh yeah the, mm. is he the mayor of like uh Drugachusetts or whatever that oh uh, what is the act or the real place called <laughs> not the mr show sketch. not the mr show sketch but... i found hr puff and stuff to be terrifying and i could barely watch it as a child that like that yeah that haunted me well it's, it's rough it's the scariest shit you've ever seen it's really and... scary i'm not crazy right no okay no 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 Though no, I am, I am, I have been always uh, addicted to Land of the Lost, which is the Sid and Marty Croft as well. I, okay. I, I, I love that, and it's also horrifying. Yeah, George, um, George is the biggest Land of the Lost fan, and he's he's shown me many episodes of it, which is it's really uh-huh. good. We should watch it together. What's the? <laughs> I would um, love to. Who are the Who are the lizard people called on Land of the Lost? The the Slee Stack. Slee Stacks. Yep absolutely like brilliant character design like it's all like yeah. very memorable stuff yeah anyway so all right 
let's just let's just take a look at this uh this courtroom scene where the hamburglar has has been brought to trial for his crimes okay why is he gray Ugh. yeah know. he's like a weird purplish gray he's got a long nose um, okay Ugh, i don't like any of it though what the judge has a what is that kind of he has like a powdered wig i don't think judges yeah, yeah. have worn powdered wigs right. in like 200 years so mm. well maybe this was to, to, to try to make mcdonald's more international it's like, hey, England, look. Oh, did they use powder? We, we... <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. They still I think, do? I think so. I don't know. Are you serious? God. I'm, I mean, as far as the 80s go, I know that they were still wearing powder wigs. Why does the Hamburglar have sunglasses? Because he, he has a very <sighs> wide-brimmed hat. Yeah, he has kind of wraparound sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got, I, I've got a lot of light sensitivity, so I, I, mm. I understand that. Oh wait, they're not sunglasses. It's a bandit. So. Oh okay, sorry. Right. I, I thought it was like, I thought it was a Bono situation. Me too. Who's the pirate? Yeah. Okay, that is Captain Crook. Um, that is. Oh, Captain Crook. That is another another villainous character from McDonald Land who was yeah like slowly but surely all of these characters were removed from the McDonald's zeitgeist. Basically, Captain Crook would be able to translate for oh, he translates whatever oh. um uh, uh the hamburglar says because the hamburglar <laughs> he's not saying robble robble in this case you can't hear the audio but he just he kind of has a weird like type of uh, language that he speaks in. seems like lazy writing They're yeah. just uh, like mumble 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 maybe he was the guy who was the filet of fish guy when i was a kid hmm. does that make sense because he's a, he's a the sea has fish in it, so there's right. that correlation. Yeah, that makes right. a lot of sense. And <laughs> and all all pirate captains were Catholic, so therefore the fillet of fish fillet of fish was was created for uh, Catholic diners for um, McDonald's. No, all right. No, you're you you are correct. Um, fillet of fish was created for. I think. Uh, what's the day when you're not supposed to eat red meat? Yeah. Yeah, like the Friday, day you're not supposed know. to eat red meat. Fr- Fridays. Fridays. Oh, Catholics Play aren't fish supposed to eat for... red meat on Fridays. I think so. Every Man, Friday. So there being like zero Catholics on this call, it's uh, maybe the best time <laughs> to talk about <laughs> what. But yeah. I, I, and I'm pretty sure that I'm not just being a weird paranoid coot on this one. But um... you're throwing out a lot of words I I never hear. <laughs> Coot body. Coot, yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I had some other ones, and I thought, oh yeah, let's let's throw the coot card here. <laughs> I'd also like to point out that uh, during this era, the 1970s, McDonald Land cast Grimace was known as Evil Grimace. That was literally his name, Evil Grimace. He had uh, forearms because he liked to steal shakes. Uh, hamburglers Ooh. stole burgers. Grimace stole shakes, and he had all these arms so he could just uh, pilfer as many uh, shakes as possible and eventually i mean were they figs you said figs uh shakes i'm saying he's he's a shake thief okay i thought you said figs at one point uh you know i i could see how my voice would sound like i'm saying figs (laughs) sorry no i i I, i've got a bad connection here uh it's uh, my 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 noited audio is, is is messing things up i would honestly not be surprised at all if uh the original um grimace would steal figs because that's just how disgusting a character he is wait is grimace bad 
Grimace is no longer bad. Now he's just kind of dumb. He's like friendly yeah. and dumb. He's like, duh, what should we do, yeah. Ronald? What a weird universe. It's a very strange <laughs> universe. I'm confused based on Land's note. Wait, so there's a Cookie Crook and there's Captain Crook? Cookie Crook is for Cookie Crisp cereal. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I remember Cookie Crook. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I spoke, uh, I spoke out of turn. No, no apology necessary. <laughs> During my research, I came across, um, I, I forgot all about Cookie Crook, who used to steal the uh, chocolate uh-huh. chip cookie-based cereal, uh, Cookie Crisp. And there was also a cop associated. You ever wonder if the cookie cop is dirty and he's just like, he's busting the cookie crook? Oh, to like meet his quota? All, yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, yeah, right. But it's like, like all right, so he this cookie, uh, the cookie crook stole a thousand cookies and, uh, you know, maybe 800 get booked back into evidence, mm. you know? Or maybe the cop planted those cookies. Yeah. There. Oh, oh, that too, yeah. Oh my God, of course he's crooked. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Officer Crumb is what he's known as. Officer Crumb, that's right. My question is, um, is it worth it? Because I've eaten Cookie Crisp cereal. It's very disappointing. Uh, I, you know, I, again, like, would judge kids who would be eating Cookie Crisp. I was more of a Cinnamon Toast Crunch gal myself. But Cookie Crisp is not good. I would rather just eat a cookie. Uh, I think it's a very uh-huh. it's an inferior cereal. Oh, absolutely! Because when you yes. lo- when you look at the bowl of miniature cookies, you expect them all to taste like little yeah. cookies, but they do not taste like little cookies. It's like eating no. nothing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and the chocolate in a cookie crisp cookie is barely detectable. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I said it. All right. After the 1970s, uh, they did they did change the Hamburglar's look to be uh, more of, of what we're uh, used to, which is more of like a baby-like character with red hair and one tooth. Uh, here is an ad from 1985 called The Hamburglar Touch. Ronald McDonald and friends in The Hamburglar Touch. Ronald Cheeseburgers! Bet Hamburglar wishes everything he touches would turn to McDonald's cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers? Oh, Grimace. Grimace? Oh, Grimace is not good. No. I do, I do remember this ad from when I was a kid, I think, but the Hamburglar, Hamburglar has uh, gained some type of Midas touch where everything he touches turns into a Hamburglar. Oh, he oh, turned no. into he a t- Hamburglar. He touched his own head and he turned a... into a Hamburglar, but then it was all just a dream. Okay. This is nothing but upsetting, that commercial. <laughs> it's, it's still very uh, LSD um, nightmare. <laughs> The strange, yeah. the strange thing is also that like they're all friends. Like Ronald is, mm-hmm. it's like a kind of keep your enemies closer to exactly. kind, of, kind of scenario. Exactly. Okay. I like, appreciate that. Like Ronald's done a bunch of work in prisons and in halfway houses to try to. Hamburger uh, University. Oh, this this ad yeah. is called Hamburger University, and I remember this one too. Um, mm-hmm. We have. A, a class full of hamburgers, and Ronald is teaching them about the Hamburglar. Hamburger University with Ronald McDonald. Good morning, class. Good, Good morning, Ronald. Today's subject, the Hamburglar. The Hamburglar is very clever and very sneaky. The Hamburglar! And he loves taking McDonald's hamburgers. So, what should you yell when you see it? Help Ronald Taylor! That's right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hamburglar. It's a good time for the great 
You've got a lot to learn. God, Ronald is so smart. That's why he teaches at Hamburger University. <laughs> yeah, you don't get that. Uh, you don't get that at an online university. No, you got a. He's. I think he has tenure at Hamburger University. <laughs> It's a tenured professor, yes. Um, I'm working on my PhD at Hamburger University, which stands for pickle, pickle, <laughs> hamburger. Uh, Do- <laughs> dollar, shit. dollar menu, dollar menu. <laughs> All right, we got there, <laughs> and that's that's that. That's uh, that's this episode. Actually, um, well, yeah, that is this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is this episode. What did you What did you have to say? I wanted to say that we've had a lot of fun today. We talked to Ponsmar, um, who voiced the Noid uh, character in the Noid campaign in the eighties and nineties. We talked to. George Sakara, one of our dearest friends um, and commercial and pop culture aficionados. And you got to hear us once again, which is unavoidable when you listen to this podcast. Pretty much. George, any last words? I'd like to plug a few things if I can. Is Please. That okay? Plug away. All right. So I, I have a podcast that I co-host. It's called Worst Scene, Best Scene, and it's available wherever podcasts are available with uh, our, our, our good friend Richard something. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did a guest spot on this great podcast, which it's like neck and neck with you guys for like my favorite of all time. It's called eating after midnight. Um, and there's some great stuff there. I also, the first movie that I co-directed and co-wrote is available now on oldies.com. It's called the hard days nightmare. And it uh, has a cameo appearance by land and land is really good in it. So I think those are the things that I'm uh, actually, and I'd also like to um, promote um, uh, Ad Wizards, which is a really great new podcast that I love very much and um, I'm totally addicted to. So all of those things are great. And let me add one more thing. George is a cartoonist. Oh, known yes. As, known as Gas, oh, that's Mac- right. Gas Macaroni. Definitely check those out. And look out for yeah. those NFTs. Look out for those right, NFTs. Right. Gas Macaroni NFTs coming your way in 2021 hell yeah um you guys this has been uh, another episode of the ad wizards podcast if you want to see clips of all the commercials we were talking about feel free to go to our instagram at ad wizards pod and uh if you want to leave us a review on apple podcasts we'd really appreciate it um i've been your co-host aviva siegel i've been land thanks for listening and keep on whizzing Keep on whizzing. Thanks, Keep... George. Thanks, George. Talk to you soon. Keep on whizzing. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> bye.